Hi, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. And uh, a couple things to talk about today. First is, I get asked uh, what the difference between conventional tackle and fly fishing is uh, quite often. Um, and I've been thinking about it a bit and have some ideas to, to share with you. Um, but first, I think it's timely to update you on how we're responding to the coronavirus and how we can help you during uh, this unprecedented time. Um, and so here we are. It's the end of March. And what a crazy month this has been. I was um, recently in Guatemala and Mexico and got back on uh, the evening of February 29th. Um, there's videos of that those trips on YouTube, by the way, if you want to check those out. Um, and then we hosted the film tour a few days after that. It was like March 5th that we hosted the film tour. And, and then like just that following week, the coronavirus became front and center for the world. Uh, I was recently talking to a friend um, about retail. And we were talking about how this past decade has just been like the decade of disruption. Um, and that's not behind us. 2020 is looking to show up the previous decade. For uh, for all of us here in Western Washington, our lives have definitely been disrupted. Um, I'm, I'm uh, recording this podcast episode uh, right now out in uh, on the Olympic Peninsula and... Uh, at a place that I lovingly refer to as Steelhead Camp, and uh, I'm out here for another week of guiding, and um, it is absolutely dead out here. Um, it's in in areas that you would normally see uh, boats upstream and downstream from you. There's no boats. Um, it I mean there's uh, parking lots that are normally filled just chock full of, uh, of, of trucks with trailers. Um, right now there are zero. <laughs> I mean, uh, I had a client today, we were swinging flies for steelhead and, um, we launched early. We pulled off fairly late. We never saw another human the entire time. And, um, there was only one other, uh, there was only one other truck at the takeout and, um, it was just, uh, it was mind blowing. I'm, I mean, it's it's the peak season for steelhead right now. It's the, I mean, we're in the window of the busiest time, um, and so the, I mean, this uh, coronavirus thing is definitely disrupting. Um, you know, it's disrupting businesses. I know it's disrupting my business big time. Um, it's it's disrupting uh, schools. My kids are are uh, are are at home now. They're, I mean, their whole school year has now been canceled. Uh, and, um, and it's just disrupting a lot of different things and even fishing, even fishing, like that's pretty incredible. So, um, I mean, before we move on from that, uh, there's a, there's a podcaster and writer that, um, that I follow his name's Kerry Newhoff and he's got some incredible stuff. Uh, I listen to all of his podcasts. I've read his books. Um, just, just great stuff. He's, he's Canadian. Don't hold that against him. But, uh, but he recently had a post and his stuff's more based on, uh, based, uh, on, uh, content for leaders. Um, but I would, I think that you'll find this, uh, this helpful. And he had some, some some suggestions on how to succeed and be healthy and be level-headed and be a calming presence during this time where, I mean, really a lot of people uh, are just running on high anxiety. Um, 
I think a lot of those people are probably paying way too much attention to the news cycle, but, um, but it, I mean, it, regardless, it's, it's the fact that, I mean, we're living in a time uh, where there's high anxiety and people are concerned about the future and they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and so I thought Carrie had some really good, uh, some really good ideas. And I just want to share a couple of them with you. And you can always just go to kerrynewhoff.com and check out uh, his, his, uh, his blog post with more information. But, um, but he just wanted to encourage people to say, get some sleep. Uh, a tired leader is an ineffective leader and your body and brain need rest. Um, he encouraged people to pray and meditate, to start every day with some time to reflect, to pray uh, and meditate. And um, for for me, being a person of faith, I I, um, I start my morning by uh, by meditating on Scripture and um, and then just talking to God and spending time in quiet. Um, but yeah, you know, for you know, I know meditation right now is um, it's kind of like a hot thing in our in our culture. Um, and it's um, you know they they're showing that there's all these these studies about how uh, how good it is for uh, for your body physically and your mind and all sorts of stuff. Um, so get some exercise, even a 20-minute run or, um, God, I hate the idea of running, but, um, but a brisk walk or just getting outside uh, is just, you know, if you're just sitting around watching six hours of Netflix every single day, I mean, one day, okay, hey, you had, you had a Netflix binge, but, but six days, my goodness. Uh, you know, he said, eat better. Um, you know, it's just about having le- healthy lifestyles um, because it affects how your brain works and affects the way that you're going to be reacting to coworkers and your family and your neighbors and all that different kind of stuff. Maybe call a friend uh, that you can talk to and um, a friend that you can talk to in a crisis and, um, you know, someone who doesn't really need anything from you, but just can listen to you. Um, and then spending more time with your family. Uh, they need your leadership and your friendship as much as uh, your company does or your neighbors do or your friends do. Uh, and so I thought those were helpful for me. Um, maybe they're helpful for you. And uh, I hope that um, that right now you're not too impacted with all of the stuff that's going on and um, uh, that you're uh, you know seeing a brighter future than, um, than something that that many are thinking is really scary. So uh, we ha- we do have some some different promos coming up. Um, and so if you're not on our new email newsletter, um, man, you're missing out. You should sign up for that um, on our website because um, we have like a trading uh, trading promo coming up where we're going to be giving free gifts for people that trade in gear. Uh, we have some other ideas and things that will be happening um, as well at the end of March when this launch this podcast launches, but also in April. Um, that we're rolling out and it's really to help uh, anglers get out on the water and go fishing. Um, I mean, there are no anglers out here uh, right now on the Olympic Peninsula fishing. And I've heard the same thing for uh, beaches around Puget Sound that, um, that there's just not people out fishing that I think, I mean, I'm guessing that uh, people are either at home, at home watching TV or they're in line at Costco trying to buy uh, toilet paper or something like that. So Anyways, um, moving on from that. So to kind of jump into the thing that I've been thinking about uh, when it comes to conventional tackle and fly fishing, um, one of the things I thought about was an electric drill. Do you have one? Do you have an electric drill? I do. Um, I love it. I just actually got a a new one not too long ago, and uh, the battery is really small, so it's not so heavy, and and, um, the thing is, I mean, it lasts forever. It's super powerful. 
Um, some of you might not realize this, but once upon a time, they had drills that were manual. I know, I know, right? Um, I actually remember using one in a woodworking class in school. Um, but honestly, I have no desire to use a manual drill. I appreciate the electric drill for its efficiency. <clears throat> we just got a new iMac at the shop and um, we've, we have several iMacs, um, but we just got a brand new one and we don't need an iMac. Uh, we could have gotten a, a PC, we could have gotten some other com computer, um, but we already have iMacs, but, but we all, I also really like iMacs um because i like how i like their design and they're i just think they're beautiful and there's an aesthetic to um a mac product that um that you don't see uh in a lot of other places uh, regardless of its efficiency and uh performance and so those two things the electric drill and then my beautiful new imac um that that makes me think about conventional tackle and fly fishing and and uh, and I think about it this way um, we were we were talking about it at a reach recent uh, beach Puget Sound Beach Clinic and we were talking about the difference between conventional tackle and fly fishing now and I and I and I said when it comes down to it conventional tackle prioritizes efficiency whereas fly fishing prioritizes aesthetic and it's about values and the level of priority on each. Now, there's definitely some aspects of conventional tackle um, that has beautiful aesthetic qualities for sure. I'm not bashing it. I mean, in fact, I've, I've done a lot of conventional tackle fishing. Um, but if you don't believe me that conventional tackle prioritizes efficiency, how do you explain a downrigger? Um, there, there's no aesthetic about it at all. Uh, if you're still not convinced, you haven't walked row after row at the annual iCast fishing trade show. I mean, and this is like everything conventional tackle. I've, I've been to this thing. They literally have lures that are now battery powered. Um, okay, so are you convinced? <laughs> so fly fishing, um, I mean, sometimes it has some aspects of efficiency, I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe someone can argue that. Check nymphing comes to mind. Uh, indicator nymphing with multiple flies and split shot um, or indicator fishing for steelhead. I mean, there's definitely nothing aesthetic about that. It's definitely all efficiency and very efficient. Um, so, I'm, but I'm not saying that, that either conventional or fly is void of the other value. I'm just arguing that, that uh, one places a higher priority on the spectrum of efficiency and aesthetics and, um, and that really uh, ends up separating the two by quite a bit. Let me give you a recent example. Uh, so I got back from Guatemala and we were down there and we fished three days and uh, the sailfish would not, we could not tease them in close to the boat. And it was, uh, it had to do with the conditions and um, you know, I wish I could talk to someone who's done this a, a bit more and they could probably school me on this and, and teach me about what, um, you know, what really was going on. But, um, but the, the sailfish would, they would follow the teaser in um, and they have to get within casting range for the fly rod. And they would, they would maybe follow the teaser in halfway, a third of the way, nowhere, anywhere near casting range for a fly rod. And they would turn around and leave. Um, 
sometimes they would spook. We, we had some porpoise that were following the teasers, and then a sailfish showed up, and one of the porpoise spooked the sailfish. Um, so a couple of the guys on the trip decided that they, you know, that man, the conditions are rough and they just wanted to catch some fish. And so, uh, so instead of trying to tease fish in and then cast to them with the fly, uh, they just put hooks in the teasers and let the sailfish, uh, eat those things. And then they would fight them and, and they did really well. I mean, I think one day they hooked like 11 sailfish and landed nine or landed eight or something, something like that. It was, it was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, but I mean, I really wanted to get one on the fly, but I had not caught one before. And so the first day did not get a shot at him. Second day, uh, you know, we're out fishing five hours or something and no shots at sailfish. And it was pretty slow. And, um, you know, we had three boats on the water fishing. Uh, there were seven of us and, you know, we were not hooking up sails on the fly. So, um, so, uh, Pat and, and myself decided, you know what, we haven't caught a sailfish before. Let's just catch one on gear. So we can check the box, say that we've caught one and then, we, and then we can go back to really getting one on the fly. Cause that's really what we wanted to do. We were up for the challenge. And, um, and so they put hooks on the teasers and immediately I hooked a sailfish and brought it in. And then Pat minutes later got a sailfish and brought it in. And within an hour, we had each landed like 70 to 80 pound sailfish and released them. And, and we're like, I, I kind of don't want to do that again on gear. Like we're here to fly fish. And so the rest of the day, we, it was actually the third guy on the boat, Sanfley. He was up uh, to, for a shot and he never even got a shot at him. And then the next day, the third day, our last day, um, I was, I was all in that I really wanted to get one on the fly and, uh, ended up not getting a, uh, sailfish on the fly. And we spent a, we spent, it was a long day from seven to five on the water. Um, and so, you know, so talking, talking through that, uh, with, with a couple customers, um, and we were, we were just talking about, uh, this whole idea of, of efficiency and then the aesthetic of, of fly fishing. Um, and really when it comes down to fly fishing, the core elements are all about aesthetics. Um, I mean, even think about the fly cast. It's, it's difficult to learn. Uh, it takes practice to, to, to learn it and to perfect it. Um, I mean, if you, if you can perfect it, um, I mean, it's, it's, um, like this ever expanding world, uh, when you get into fly casting, um, I mean, it's beautiful when you watch fly, I mean, there's a reason why, uh, the movie a river runs through it doubled the fly fishing industry overnight. And it's because they captured on camera, um, some beautiful fly casts and people were like, I want to do that. I want to stand in a, you know, we get people that come into the shop and they, they reference this movie and it's been, you know, 25 years or 30 years or whatever since, uh, since it came out 25 years, I think. Um, and, and, and what they say is, and I've heard this over and over again, is they say, I want to do that. I want to stand in the river and cast like they actually, I don't, they either never or very rarely say, and catch fish <laughs> they, for them they say i want to stand in a river and cast and they they want that the full experience and they want the beauty of that cast 
and uh, and just the just that feel with the grace of that line rolling out uh, and delivering a fly to uh, hopefully a hungry trout. Um, but even even uh, spay casting. So talking about two hand rods, the same thing. Uh, you know, the line rolls out with this beautiful and graceful delivery. Uh, it's like the single hand cast. It's it's difficult to learn. Maybe even more so than the single hand cast. Um, and it's definitely beautiful. Uh, and and then when it comes to efficiency, um, I mean, with a single hand fly rod, you can only really cast 90 feet, maybe 100 feet. That's how long a fly line is. Um, and usually you're only fishing 15 to 50 feet. I mean, it's it all happens in pretty close. I mean, do you know how far I can cast a half ounce lead with uh, a spinning rod? I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to efficiency and aesthetic of casting, it, you know, you can bomb with a spinning rod and with the fly rod, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but it's beautiful for sure. So, uh, sometimes I'll troll a fly. Um, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, well, what, what parts of the efficiency of fly fishing do I, do I like to do? And, you know, so sometimes I'll troll a fly in, um, in my kayak, especially fishing for coho. And, um, but I was thinking about this cause I've talked to, you know, quite a few different people and sometimes people look down on this. Um, and I think it's because in the instance I'm prioritizing efficiency over aesthetic, uh, it, I'm just dragging a fly along instead of casting it. I'm not using the cast to deliver it. Um, I've seen people, uh, some people fish bait on fly tackle for like salmon and steelhead and they'll sometimes put monofilament on the fly reel or, um, you know, but they're fishing like a gob of eggs or something like that. And, you know, de I've definitely seen this a couple times up in Alaska. And, um, you know, so why do some people think that this is out of bounds and want to go on record saying this is not fly fishing? I think it's because once again, it's elevating the efficiency at the sake of the fly fishing aesthetic. So, um, so what's at the top when it comes to experiencing the fly fishing aesthetic? I mean, is it the gear? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes it is. Uh, I think it has a part of it. Um, I mean, look at fly reels. A, a $900 fly reel uh, it will reel in the same amount of line as a $90 fly reel. But a $900 fly reel is a piece of art, or I mean, maybe a piece of jewelry. Um, but but I think uh, you know, even though there's an incredible aesthetic quality to the fly fishing gear, uh, I think that's that's more marketing. That a lot you know, fly fishing manufacturers they know what fly fishers like because they because fly fishers have been attracted to fly fishing, um, and. But really, in the end, it's the experience at the end of the day. So, um, you know, thinking through, well, what's the top, the top of the mountain for uh, fly fishing aesthetics? Um, man, catching a a, a a trout on a dry fly, um, or really catching a trout sight fishing to a feeding trout with a dry fly on a fly you tied you know, maybe that's, maybe that's uh, getting a little bit closer to it. Um, I mean, if I think for us locally, I think about sea run cutthroat trout on top water and seeing them come up and crush that fly. Or, I mean, or maybe any saltwater fish on top water, you know, it, I mean, 
having the fish come up and just destroy a, a popper or a slider or something like that. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just an incredible experience, especially when you're holding the line and stripping it in, and then the line is just getting ripped through your hands as they take off. Um, <clears throat> you know, steelhead on a swung fly, or for you know for you know for winter fish for sure, but uh, but then for summer run steelhead and fall steelhead. I mean, steelhead on a skated fly. And, and, you know, then there's like the holy grail of actually catching a steelhead on a dead drifted fly. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's the, the aesthetic of fly fishing. It's, it's uh, for those of us that are all in on fly fishing, many times the hardest thing is the preferred thing. Um, it's, you know, we, so we don't smash uh, scent or, uh, or power bait <laughs> or whatever shrimp oil onto a fly to, to make it more effective because with fly fishing it's the art of deception we're trying to trick a fish into thinking it's the real thing not not just using the real thing and then hooking them on it um, so so you know my natural follow-up to this is to ask uh, you know what what are you going to do um, you know, do you, other than order the, a fancy new reel from the Gig Harbor Fly Shop? Uh, just kidding. Um, but you know, your fly fishing goals for the year. You know, we're kind of at the beginning of the season. Um, what are you gonna What are you gonna do? I mean, considering the aesthetic of fly fishing and the lure that that has for us, are you gonna try to make it your goal to fish more dry flies? I know for many of you starting off fly fishing, um, there is kind of a progression of. Um, of uh of of how you target fish with uh with a fly rod and you know a lot of times it starts subsurface and then then goes to uh to the top water fly um in fact we have a podcast coming up in a couple of weeks with mark reisler who owns the headhunters fly shop uh in craig montana on the banks of the missouri river and um and and i've known mark now um, and it's almost been 10 years and, um, I consider him a friend and he is one of the fishiest dudes I know. And we talked about this on the podcast. And so you'll have to check that out in April when that, when that launches. But, um, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to, uh, practice your cast and, um, use that as a time to, to unwind and relax a little bit and just kind of, uh, prepare for the season and, and get, get your mind off of all of the other crazy things in life that are going on right now. Um, are you going to, um, are you, maybe you're going to learn how to tie your own flies. And, um, I mean, it's almost like a separate, uh, separate hobby for many people just tying flies, but the beauty of, uh, of a tied fly, um, <clears throat> I mean, that really captures the fly fishing aesthetic for sure. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're going to fish more topwater, uh, this uh, this year for saltwater stuff or freshwater stuff, maybe fill in the blank. It could be for bass, cutthroat, coho, whatever. Um, so anyways, that's what has been rolling around in my head recently. And um, and so, you know, I want to tackle different fly fishing topics on the podcast and I, I want to get your feedback. So shoot me an email. Uh, you can email me sales at gigharborflyshop.com or you can uh, hit us up on uh, on social, on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, happy to reply to you there. Uh, send us a, a direct message. Um, or if you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle, send those along. Um, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, um, it's free. Please subscribe. And uh, I mean, I only listen to podcasts that I subscribe to. 
And uh, if you could rate and review our podcast, that's really helpful for us and to help this thing get off the ground as it's a new podcast. Um, but it also helps people find that. And if maybe you have some friends that are into fly fishing and um, don't hog it all, share with them, <laughs> you know, pass it along and, and let them know about uh, what kind of content you're, you're listening to and enjoying and, um, and invite them to participate with you in, in that stuff. So um, <clears throat> this month I have been <clears throat> become more aware of, um, or I guess I would say that this month I have increased my gratitude towards uh, towards all of our customers. Those of you that order online, come in the shop, um, <clears throat> watch our YouTube videos, or uh, engage in any of our other content. And uh, during these times where, uh, I mean, it's really difficult to uh, keep employees on payroll and um, and to um, uh, you know keep up with everything that's that's developing with the coronavirus. Um, I just am grateful for your support and for customers that have supported us for uh, 10 years or more. And, um, and so thank you. Uh, thanks for your support. And um, it really means a lot to me that, um, that all of you are supporting uh, small specialty retailers. And, um, and we, you know, I think many of us hadn't, haven't thought about you know, what it would be like if, if, if it was just box stores or just online and if specialty retailers were gone. Um, and so, so thanks for uh, supporting us and keeping us around and we appreciate it a ton and we're going to keep on kicking out more content. We got a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, <clears throat> Sandflea from Hobosh, Mexico is going to be on the podcast. That's going to also be on YouTube and we filmed that on location in Mexico at his house. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Also have George Cook on the podcast coming up, Brian Bennett, Mark Reisler, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And so uh, thanks for, for, thanks for tuning in today and uh, hopefully we'll see you out on the water.